I am Consciously Curious, a podcast for those that are searching for a career or are cultivating meaning within their own space. We've had anesthesia providers to barbers, dog behaviors to airline pilots, white collar to blue collar, entrepreneurs to passion projects. Life's too short to not produce meaningful work. Join me, Victor Chan, as we deep dive within various industries. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a comment. I hope you find some value within these conversations, but more importantly, I hope it sparks a meaning within your own space. In this episode, our next guest is a cycling enthusiast from Chicago. He helped me find my current bike a few years ago at the bike lane in Logan Square. He shares his experiences of cycling in the city, the animosity between drivers, getting your bike stolen, and even finding your first bike. You can find him on Instagram at tmj96.photo. Please enjoy my conversation with Eric Tan. Eric, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Victor. It's always a pleasure. I feel like you're my brother from another, from another mother, doppelganger. Um, I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to grow the, the luscious locks again. I just got to take care of it. You, you are taking care of yours, your mane. Uh. I gotta go get it trimmed. I actually still haven't gotten it uh, trimmed since do I started you, growing out. When during the awkward phase, was it just a lot of hats, or would you would you do? So uh, I was really lucky because I I didn't have to see anyone. It was uh, COVID, <laughs> and we were like locked down. But yeah, I guess so. It was a lot of hats. It didn't really feel that awkward this time around because I've definitely tried it multiple times. Okay, and give it up. And just like I was like, all right, cutting it like think like I was like right here at some points, and okay. then just like I was like, all right, chopped that off. Okay, but um, yeah, there was no one to see, and then I I just had no or my my barber had also moved out of town, and so I was like, all right, well, I there's no point in trying to find someone now, <laughs> in the middle of lockdown, so I'm just gonna continue doing this, I guess. And is th- is there any part of you that just buzzes wants to buzz it off too? Uh, certainly, like on on a. Uh, on days when it's like, uh, so if I go like mountain biking or something like that, and it's mm. like real dusty out, and then I come home, uh, I can't wash my hair if there's no oil in it, or if it's too oily, right? Like you don't use products in it? So I don't use products. Um, wow. What I mean to say is like, uh, yeah, if like there, there's not enough oil yeah. on that specific day, it's just dusty. Uh, really? I just have to just wash it. Doesn't it get oily? You wear a helmet, right? Like does, doesn't it get oily after wearing a helmet? Uh, if like... If I had washed it the day before, not really. Oh, yeah, because okay, it, okay. it takes a little bit for for my. It's so long. Yeah. So then, how many days? Oh, uh, once a week? I once every two days? Like every three days? Three days? Every three days? I'll keep two, that three in mind. Days. Okay. 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 I mean, some people do no shampoo at this length too. So I'm <laughs> really? like, I don't. I've 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 done like the the research because I'm always scared about like you know drying out your scalp and doing this uh, and doing uh, that. Uh. Um, like it took me a while before I, I you know like everyone had the days where they like wash their hair every day with with, yeah. with soap and, and shampoo. And no, no, like, yeah. Growing up, I had uh, maybe like in the late teens, early twenties, like pretty oily skin. So mm-hmm. like it's just prone to. To acne, we don't want to strip away like the natural oils and all that. Right. No. Well, Eric, I, I brought you on um, uh, years ago. You helped me get a bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are you still there? You're still yeah, at still the bike lane. At the bike lane. Amazing. And Logan. Yep. Okay. And and then you also helped me discover it's it's called Marin, right? Not yeah. Mar- yeah. yeah Marin, Marin County, bikes. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so what has what would you how would you call yourself uh, in the world of like a bike biking or cycling like an enthusiast a hobbyist a professional like 
because I see some of your and you're a photographer too. So like I see some of those pictures and how crispy some of those pictures look at that speed. It's it's great. I mean, I, I'm always worried about nailing focus, and you nail focus. Oh yeah. Um, so to answer the first question, I would say like I guess I'm an enthusiast. Um, okay. So I like riding bikes. I, I don't particularly like race for for podiums or anything like that. Okay. But I do like to go and, and and compete every so now and again. Um, it is very very fun. Um, but outside of like just competing, you know, I also like going on bike rides with friends, going yeah. to like the bike park, enjoying myself, building on like skills. Uh, certainly like, uh, when I first started, it was like a means of like hanging out with friends and expressing myself. Mm. I think I started in high school. How, how so? What do you mean? Uh, so like when we first started riding bikes, it was, uh, we, we started with getting into fixies. Um, Ooh. so everybody knows like the fixie, right? Like yeah. you, you get this thing in like college or whatever, like it's like a single speed, there's yeah. no brakes or whatever. Um, but one of the best things about like fix your bikes or like things like that is that you can really customize them to your, your, your liking, you know, more depending. so than, a, than what's the other one? And like road bikes than and mountain bikes. Bike? Yeah. It can, yeah. More it's, customizable. It's, it's got a low cost, um, barrier of entry. Okay. So like parts are pretty cheap. Like you don't have to worry about components like gears or like derailers, shifters, okay. that sort of thing. So it cuts down to just like handlebars wheels a frame set cranks like all of it you can like kind of like piece together for maybe like i mean like 300 400 now like wow. you know i mean um and that's like the price of like a new bike but you can definitely price it down even lower if sure. you're like if you're like really looking for parts but i mean that's what that's what it was like you know it's just um hanging out with friends looking at stuff online i guess it would be like the precursor to like kids that get into cars and stuff like that but, which you're also into yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, so would you compare a fixie bike to like a manual car uh, i you, mean i it, guess like you could people do, say you feel more grounded um more connected right yeah like it's a more pure experience because the you can't uh stop pedaling right like yeah you, you just keep so going. is there a certain point where you're going you can't go too fast um or does the bike eventually take over if you're going downhill like how does that work yeah like you you can definitely like overspin like you Ooh. can't like if you like can't control how fast the wheels are some people like slip their feet out of the pedals and then they like just let the bike coast just, oh, yeah. oh, oh okay okay uh, yeah, there are like a bunch of videos, like people like going downhill, doing stuff like that, crazy stuff in like, um, what is it, San Francisco, and then oh and God. bombing like, down the mountains. Yeah, one of the videos that we used to watch, you know, um, Mash SF, like uh, Macaframa. These are like really, really like specific period of time in like fixed gear, fixie culture history, sure. uh, and like we kind of all grew up right around that time, um, like a little bit after it all happened. Um, but we were still like had access to it. And so when we were all watching it as kids, we were like, Oh my God, it's so cool. Okay. Um, and it's just like, bikes look cool. You know, like the is, aesthetic of is the fixie like, thing still a big part of the culture these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's like a really, uh, I think like, you know, when you're young and, and, and you want to find ways to express yourself and mm -hmm. like, you know, you can also do it through an activity. Like, you know, there are kids that are like really into hype like clothes. skateboarding or yeah. Yeah. Okay. Streetwear. Um, yeah, streetwear. Bikes. Bikes, yeah. So, so. Uh, but how do you express yourself through bikes? Is it how you ride? Is it is it the, the type of biking you do, whether it's like city biking or mountain biking or park? Like, how do you, how does one express themselves through the language of bikes? I think it's um, like clothes, right? It's just a style thing yeah. at the end of the day. Um, I think with all like these like freestyle sports or like these trick sports, um, 
there are always like different ways you can approach it and you can always approach a trick differently or you can always like um, skid differently. Oh. You know, there are always these like performances that certain athletes do, right? Like the, the fadeaways, right? Mm. Um, that, that certain basketball players can do. Like that's like, whoa, you see that and you're like, that is such a cool trick or that's such a cool style. Yeah, like, that's their yeah. signature thing. Like, okay. And like some kids, you know, like they have an eye for that thing. Like they develop it. They like look at stars and then they look at themselves and yeah. they like kind of reflect that. That's really cool, you know? Um, but is, um, would you consider any part of, is there any part of biking culture that is mainstream? Yeah, I'd I guess Lance Armstrong, right? Uh, I like, like like right now, like F one is coming up because yeah. like they're just trying to. I think their marketing has been like great recently, and they're mm-hmm. just trying to get more celebrities on the F one circuit and like just promote, promote, promote. But is there is there? I'm sorry, I cut you off. But like anything else besides Lance Armstrong or that has been mainstream yeah so um crit racing in america is what's really crit? popular yeah criterium you, racing ooh, what is that so it's like closed course um cycling okay uh, and it's really fast paced it happens um what is it generally like hour hour and a half for some of those pro races a long that's how long it lasts yeah um so they do the first lap and then the first lap usually determines how many laps goes on for the rest of the race um so the first time like so if it's like you know what is it? Six minutes for a lap, and then it's you know uh, a total of what is it? Ten ten laps. Okay. Okay. Um, anyway, whatever. So all within an hour. Okay. Mm, gotcha. All within an hour, hour and a half, gotcha, depending gotcha. on like the the timing and, and whatnot. Okay. Um. So that's become really really popular in America, right? Where can um, one kind of watch that? Um. I think you can access it on um, certain live streams. Most racing. I think if you act like go through like USA Cycling, sure, you should be able to find some more information. Um, I believe GCN Plus, uh, which is Global Cycling Network, they mm. have a like uh, f- like subscription that you can buy a race pass, uh, and you can you can like watch races live that way. How does if one wanted to get into that world, how does one? get into it is is accessibility pretty good uh it depends on like if you're trying to race it or if you're just trying to watch it right watching it you just kind of pay for a subscription or you can go to like your local race getting into it the barrier can be a little bit high Mm. um as like the price of an entry-level road bike like you can always race on whatever road bike you want right like um drop bars just has to have gears um will you be at a slight mechanical disadvantage i mean maybe but like at the entry level eh, whatever (laughs) um however like going to the store and buying a brand new road bike though you're looking at like what 1250 now i think um and that's not terrible but that is like i would say like if you were expecting like you know my parents at that at at, at, Mm. like at an age um, where I wanted to start racing, like it would be a little bit like, ah, oh, that, that can be a little steep, like justifying like equipment at that. Place. So how, how does one justify, like how, how much do they have to love it in order to, to spend that kind of cash? Right. Um, I think like with a lot of people, like having experienced a lot of like different kind of customers, like usually it's, Oh, I started bike riding. I really enjoyed doing mm. it as like a, a um, sport or a commute or, or like commuting and stuff like that. And then I usually ask, like, oh, do you like, are, do you have any interest in bike racing? And they're like, I kind of, yeah. Like, you know, so I think it really just starts with enjoying the, the feeling of riding bikes. Yeah. I mean, everybody probably has like a natural instinct to compete at least a little bit. Mm. So, you know, if you even edge the ideal a little bit, if mm-hmm. they're a little, a little bit more confident, then I think a lot of okay. people are more interested in. And they're willing to spend the cash. The yeah. sport, then, then yeah. Um, because it's your day job, is there any part of you that loses the 
and I don't think so, but like loses the interest to ride for fun. Cause like when I used to ride to work and I, and I don't, you know, I didn't, I ride to and from work. I wouldn't ride to like the lakefront to just ride for fun. Cause I just, I'm like, I'm tired of biking for some reason, but it's probably different DNA in you maybe. I think we all get to that point. Okay. Like we all as, as like cycling employees and whatnot, like get to a point where it's like, Oh, you know, this is boring or like, I don't really want to ride my bike cause I, I commute or it all depends. I think like, um, you know, maybe how long you've been at it, but, um, for sure, uh, if you've done everything around here, you definitely like want to explore new things. And mm. I think like when you have ridden the lakefront path enough times, like mm. eventually for fun, it's no longer fun anymore. Mm. You want to kind of go somewhere a little bit different. So, uh, in my experience, like I do get tired of some of the local paths, but at the end of the day, I think I have no idea. We're good. We're good. Um, but at the end of the day, I think like I still enjoy just like the feeling of like, you know, the wind at my back and going fast and, and, and just like turning the pedal sometimes, mm. uh, even if like the destination is nowhere or even if like, yeah. Yeah. I, those, where are those parks that you go to that you're like full sending off those like little hills and um, little ramps? Yeah. So, uh, Chicago, uh, the Chicagoland area actually has like a bunch of really good trails. I, n- I was never aware of that. Um, you know, they're not like, you know, massive trails or anything like that, or like, you know, huge jumps or anything, but, uh, it's growing for sure. Um, but the one that I, I have been going to lately has been Big Marsh. Big Marsh. Uh, it's down on Stony Island. I think like a hundred something in Stony Island. Huh. Um, really, really fun. The trails are super well-groomed. Um, the people that are, that are working there really know what they're doing. Um, they have bike rentals. Oh. Um, the, the park is just really, really well-kept. Um, the uh they have been having some like bike racing series lately um short plug uh there is a uh race series that happens every other wednesday um during the summer so um you can definitely follow their instagram for more uh for more info on something like that uh friends of big marsh i believe okay um but it's got like they've got rentals you can do you can learn how to bike race right you can learn how to do mountain bike racing um and if you don't have a mountain bike they'll they'll let you borrow one that wow. sort of thing um and and mountain bike racing like right like that's one that i would argue is even more expensive to like try to get into right like in terms of like oh people get into fixies first and then road bikes sure. mountain bikes are like a You're whole like another threshold for adrenaline just like keeps elevating it's less so the threshold of adrenaline but more so just like the cost like mountain bikes get, okay. get okay. real pricey for like something that's like but but it's like the the how people kind of gravitate towards that it's like you you eventually want more and more and more yeah i mean i think like even if you just gave like what we would consider a normal adrenaline mm. threshold like someone that just like enjoys leisure, mm-hmm. like i think if the the resources were available to just like try out i think we'd be very surprised with how many more people are adrenaline junkies <laughs> right like we 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 would i i honestly think like um you know when if given the 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 correct like setting and everything more people are are, are inclined to try the thing because they are comfortable and that's mm-hmm. just like it right like you just got to get people comfortable and and once they're there like you have no idea what they could accomplish yeah 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's how how long did it take for you to start feeling comfortable on a on like a track like that? Uh so I've been riding bikes for a while, and I think that helps, right? And like just having the 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 base mileage, right? Um, but I think like pretty quickly like you get mm. it, it becomes pretty familiar right like you just build off of like previous experiences so if right. you've like done stuff like that before and you've done like small stuff right like then it just translates to being it's just oh it's just a little bit bigger you just right, gotta go a right. little bit faster and you just gotta go um do tweak it out a little bit more. what a metaphor for life <laughs> <laughs> i guess to, uh, it, we to start to build some credibility like how 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 long have you been in the industry and like let's say like how many miles do you think if you were to guesstimate you have under your belt how many bikes do you own like that could all add to yeah so i've that. been uh what is it i guess i've been casually ride or yeah casually riding bikes since high school uh, i've been working at this shop for about like five mm. five or so years now i've been open for 12 years um the shop's been open mm-hmm. okay um i did you see a spike during the pandemic oh yeah definitely okay people were just like yo get me i got to get me outside yeah, yeah. Um, which is great because I think like, uh, or not, I think rather, uh, it's great because I've seen a lot of those customers return, um, and really tell me about how much they enjoy biking. Um, there are now that like offices are open and everything, I've had customers that are new customers, right. And they're commuters and they're telling me like, you know, Oh, I, I used to never commute to work, but now I bike like three days out of the week and it is, those three days are like the most refreshing and I'm like, nice. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure you know people that that have even like sold their cars for yep. for bikes. Yeah, I I think um there've been plenty of people that have like now um you know sold uh their vehicle and and I've had more customers now with the the prices going way and way up. They're like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad I'm riding my bike now." <laughs> so, um <laughs> mileage i i couldn't tell you i have no clue i don't keep track of that wow. sort of thing um but bikes as for how many i own i probably own like six bikes right now okay gotcha um yeah no um i think like with uh with like the that surge right um the, the amount of new people that are going getting into bikes whether it's commuting trail mm-hmm. riding um road riding you know whatever you're into like i think it's really really great it's going to encourage uh people to use their cars less mm-hmm. which means less traffic you know um and less traffic is just you know nicer because then you then there are even less like accidents that happen yeah right? is how on a scale like one to ten ten being the best the most ideal for for a cyclist and a biker like what how how conducive is the city for for riding a bike? I think in certain neighborhoods it's definitely better. Um, having traveled sometimes to the west side, uh, like every so now and again, I, I do see more and more bike lanes opening up. How far like, west? Like Logan West? Or? Um, yeah, like okay. twenty two thousand west. I definitely okay. need to head more into three thousand, four thousand. Oh wow! Um, to to really get a scope of it, but like Cicero, that's like that's the pretty city f- is trying. I mean, there. I mean, like that. That's that's the city, though, right? Like when we think about it, we never really think about like oh four thousand as a part of the city. But I have definitely had many many friends like go when I was in high school and doing the fixie thing, having friends like all over the city. Some some friends living in you know three thousand west. It's like ah oh, shit. Now you got a bike there. I, that's that's so far. And then, but like, but as kids, like that also didn't seem like it was that far at the end of the day. So, I mean, um, 
yeah that's that's your that's still like people that work you know in the loop or or even closer or yeah. that sort of thing so i think with more people being able to use their bikes um it just encourages like yeah connection across the city better when you for someone who's starting to ride their bike like i know people that are just now driving a vehicle for the first time but you you know if they're riding a bike for the first time what are some things you re- you recommend to them to uh, remain safe while, while driving like things like like keeping an eye on side mirrors or wheels turned to the streets like what else like do you if you were to share some advice with people to avoid accidents yeah i think like um just constant spatial aware like just having good spatial awareness right like making sure you're do you, wear mu- do you, do you listen to music do I listen to music? Or I guess I see Bluetooth speakers, right? It's yeah. not really headphones. So it, it's a it's a mix. You know, oh, some okay, people okay. some people still use Bluetooth speakers. Some people are avid, um, like no headphones. You know, oh. um, some people still use headphones. Uh, some people are double headphones, which I I. What do you mean double headphones? Like both earbuds in. Oh oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I mean, how are you supposed to hear traffic I coming? If no idea. Okay. Um, so yeah. if you want to be safe, you know, just like. If you want to be the most safe, right? Like, definitely don't wear any earbuds, but I get it. We all want to listen to music. I personally do one headphone in. Okay. Gotcha. Um, when I used to do speaker, I would always try to do a speaker, but uh can get a little cumbersome, you know, carrying a whole bunch of stuff. So, yeah. And then also, like, noise pollution, that sort of thing. Like, if you're riding a, a, road, a long road ride, you don't want to be the one person that's just, like, in the middle of nowhere just blasting music, <laughs> you know? Um what else? What, what should they be keeping an eye on? Um, I think you were asking about drivers, right? Or yeah, just like, in general, safety in general. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so with like drivers, it's like it's um, just like just keeping um, an eye on your side view mirrors, right? Especially mm. if you're turning right, turning left, um, turning right. Like that's one of the most common ones. Like a right hook is where you just like you pull up to that sign or the uh, the light, and you you just go. And you don't you don't even think twice about it, and like there could be someone in your blind spot, and you never realize when you're the driver. Yeah, when you're the driver, Absolutely. like you you would be like, it it, it happens like so, coming up behind you so often, right? Like, so who's at fault then? I would definitely say the the driver is at fault in, as, in, a, as the, in a right hook. As, yeah, as the cyclist, yeah. Would you would you operate in the mindset of expecting people to to cut you off? Yes. Right? As, as same a, as an as ambu- an ex- ambulance operator? Same thing. Yeah. But that's the thing, like, I think that we we need to address, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I, I know, like, a lot of drivers don't like hearing this, but, like, um, if we are, are um, looking at the... the the priority or, or, or the right of way, right? Mm. It's pedestrians, then cyclists, then vehicles. Mm. And so if you're thinking about in a turn, like, that's just kind of it. Like, sorry, homie. Like... The, the pedestrian and then the cyclist. But at the end of the day, if an accident happens, who's going to win? Um, and I, I, more I, often I know, than like, not, like, legally who's right, yeah. but, like, bodily, like, who's going to win that, right? Like, yeah. so as, as the cyclist, like, yeah, I think it's important to have that foresight of, like, this guy's not looking for me. Right. I, I think, like, um, a lot of new cyclists, that's what scares them, right? Is, sure. like, they don't, they they know that they're small and they're 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 afraid to like hold their position on the road. Okay. They don't want to ever get stuck in those sorts of situations. And I and I think like um, with that you you just need more mileage. And mm. once you like get into that like groove, you'll feel more comfortable taking up space on the road, taking up a whole lane. You know, like mm. I definitely have a lot of friends that are 
you know, nervous to take a whole lane, but it's like at the, if you, if you've got the numbers or, or you are simply riding as you are normally riding and it is safe for them to just pass around you anyway. Um, that confidence bleeds into every other part of your life too. When you have the confidence to, oh, yes. to take a lane. Yeah. Right. And I like mean, that, that's so much character building. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that, um, and then there's overconfident too, right? Yeah, definitely. Like you know, you can you can be an aggressive um, cyclist, uh, or you could be a very defensive but like confident cyclist, right? Um, if somebody is like double parked in a bicycle lane and you have to move Oof. on over, you know, you just give a quick look and and then you just move on over and then you move in, then you move back out of the way. Yeah. You know, at the, uh, I don't. I think there are a lot of like there. There's a lot of. Um, animosity right between drivers and Absolutely. cyclists because like oh like this person's in my way they're making me like miss this light that sort yeah, of thing right it's like right, a, right the cyclist also just wants to you know ride their bike commute the same way they're also just trying to get out of the way you know i i think like you know we we think like um what is it cyclists move a certain way in spite of you or something like mm. that and it's like um but at the end of the day we're all as humans just trying to get to like our location we're just trying Absolutely. to get to our next just be kinder to each other yeah right and, and it's hard we'll it's, make it it's so hard it's so hard you know like just everyone's on a rush and or, or you know you just there's that wall right of the the doors and the metal and, and and you can't really communicate with each other yeah yeah um can you share if you know uh, like you see and for someone who's not familiar with cycling like you see those white bikes everywhere around yeah. the city what do those mean? Um, so white bikes are going to be ghost bikes. Ghost bikes. Um, they are essentially um, memorials for people that have um, passed, uh, who are um, struck by a vehicle, um, you know, uh, at that intersection, wherever it may be. Um, and so they're just memorials for, for people that were struck by and a vehicle. the city just keeps it up. Uh, the city is actually really not happy about those. <laughs> are they trying to take it down? Uh, in in some places, yeah, they do. Really, in some places, they they are really really uh, good about like just just removing stuff. Um, there was a very um, there was one. I mean, the most recent one was LST. I yeah, think, to um, me, I mean, yeah. Um, there there have been a couple, yeah, but LST was, I think, one of the the more recent ones that got uh, some attention. Um, there have been two this this year. Um, there there have been quite a few, um, and and they all all really hurt. You know, um, what is it? Um, there was a messenger that was uh, that was struck by like a, a I believe a double decker, um, and a tour bus. Yeah. And they were like the city was really good about taking that the wheel, just like a wheel that they would hang up there, on and it was on like Michigan Ave. They, so wait, the course. city took the wheel. They would took it know, down. Like the what is it? Um, yeah, people like the workers or whatever, like whoever has to take care of like uh, streets and sanitation. I guess like they would just clip the the the, the wheel down, um, like remove it. Yeah. What? Yeah. Hmm. Um, but, um, I, I, that's not the, the main takeaway, I guess. Like it's, it's just like, it, there are, um, just so that people know, right. Uh, in the places that there are, um, it does yeah. suck like when the, the city takes them down, but, um, it is important right, that they are up. Would you consider the biking community tight knit? I, 
Yeah, I think that there are a lot of clubs, you know, um, that, and I think like uh, when a cyclist does pass, like it does affect everyone like it, equally. Like, you f- you're like that could have been me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, does everybody know each other? No, but like when when we when we like hear about this and there is a memorial ride, you can definitely expect to see like people that solidarity. You've never met. Yeah, yeah, definitely solidarity. I've only witnessed the the naked bike run once. Mm. What do you think of those? Those are those are fun. fun. Okay. I mean, um, they are, they like, are they for bike, they are, bike, bike, the drive, right? That's another one. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say naked bike ride is a, a advocacy ride for, you know, cycling death essentially, or like I people that, that. that get struck. Yeah. So it's like hmm. looking at like how vulnerable you are. Oh my goodness. Essentially. Um, but it is sense. also like, you know, good fun time. You know, people like to, to ride their bike for, for fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, naked. I feel like that would hurt my bum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that is that is the, the, the main goal of the ride, right? To show, like, ah, this is how vulnerable we feel as cyclists on, on a vehicle or on the, on the road. Have you ever experienced a- accidents? Yeah, I've, I've been doored. Doored? I've, I've, um, I've definitely been on... I've been the aggressive cyclist, right? I've, oh. I've been the one that tried to catch a red or tried to catch, like, the green and, and missed, but... Like, like um, T-bone kind of thing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, like, how, how badly bruised were you? I think the worst event um, that I had was when I got doored, probably, and that was it. Uh, just like bruised really badly. Is it because you were going too fast? Were you not looking at the side mirrors? Like what? What happened? Uh, or they weren't paying attention? You know? It's yeah. Like when when you when you door someone, that is one hundred and ten percent the driver's fault. I I don't think like in any case like. Like you're when you're when you're opening your door uh, in traffic, right? Like, and there's traffic going by. Like, yeah. you're already looking out because like, you don't want to like get your door taken off by a car. So why do you? But not then do again, that? how often do you see people just fling their doors open? Um, you'd be surprised. <laughs> um, it's happened to me twice. So wow. So like, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are for getting doored, but like, I, I every time I hear about it, it's just the, the scariest thing. What's the procedure afterwards? Like make sure you're okay. Is there damage to you, your bike, like maybe damage to their car? Like what happens? So when that happens, like generally speaking, like you should be calling a police officer, okay. uh, making a police report on the spot, you know, gotcha. getting, getting all of the, the proper procedures done, um, making sure that you're safe. You know, you can always call an ambulance if you feel that you need to, um, that sort of thing. Um, get the driver's information, yeah. And ultimately, you you gotta you gotta do your, your stuff so that you can get your your bike repaired. Essentially, if that's your that's wild your method of transportation. How do you know? Like, if if you have because you work in the industry, but like when I got doored once, mm. uh, I didn't know if they were to to give me any money. I had no idea how much. Like the the bike the the front wheel was like all bent. Yeah, uh, handlebar was crooked. Like yeah, yeah. I wouldn't know how much to ask for if I were to ask for any money. So with something like that, you... Or you just get contact info. And you then, get contact info. Gotcha. Um, you never want to ask for the money on the spot. You know, you never know what could be could be wrong with the bike. The bike could be bent, um, could be could yeah. have frame frame damage or that sort of thing. You know, what if the bike is totaled? You, you, you never know on the spot. So it's always best to bring the bike to a shop, have them do an accident estimate, describe how the accident happened, that sort of thing. Um, with any any sort of crash, right? Um, always describe to the to the shop how it happened, um, and then um, you know, 
the driver's insurance company should should be the one oh, to pay for it. Yeah. Um, especially if it's an accident that they caused. Um, My friend said that he a, a driver paid out like ten G's for a bike. Yeah. If the bike is if like you know it's the driver's fault and they total the bike and the bike is worth a lot, that's that's how much they have Just to got pay. Got a brand new bike. Well, hopefully, yeah. I mean, I mean, he still has like ankle soreness or something like from his accident, right? So. Right. I mean, and that's that's like that's money that I mean they can't are they still paying for because if right. they're not then that's that's related to the accident and, and yeah 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 that's well um any experience with stolen bikes at the shop oh no in, ge- in general oh in, yeah in general though like personally or if you, you might know someone that have had their bike stolen yeah and what's the process of first like how to prevent it and then yeah. second process to like kind of recover if it's possible yeah yeah definitely um so stolen bikes are, are definitely a crime of opportunity um mm. that's that's just the first thing that I, I gotta tell all customers when they're looking for a lock um people are always looking for like something that's like impossible to get through or something like that and at the end of the day if you know the thief really really wants the bike they're going to go through whatever means necessary to get the bike um you know people break into garages all the time steal stuff you know if they have however much time that they can have with with the lock it's going to be beatable right like angle grind like those these like giant uh, kryptonite forget about it new york locks they're like they weigh a ton and you know i mean people are stealing fucking catalytic converters these days yeah so <laughs> so ultimately like right like that is the first thing i gotta tell you is that like these are crimes of opportunity it's it's more so that it was available so you just got to make sure that when you're locking up the bike you're locking it up um, correctly um so that means like making sure that your frame is locked to the pole or like frame and wheel is locked to the pole um you can always get extra um, theft deterrence, so mm-hmm. like stuff like wheel locks or like hardware locks, stuff like that, so that when they do bring it to a shop, it becomes a much bigger hassle for them to like get the bike worked on. Gotcha. Um, and then it makes it more apparent that the bike was stolen. Um, and in order to prevent, or what, what would the shop do? Would the shop like ask deeper questions or? So if the shop is doing their due diligence, they would definitely check the serial number. And that's how you can um, really protect yourself is making sure that when you do buy the bike or if you buy a bike used, you record the serial number. It's usually found on the underside of the bike, uh, the bottom bracket shell. Um, And once you've got that down and and you have that saved away somewhere, as long as you have it registered, um, what is it, through bike index, um, just as like a way to keep track it's like of national, it. National, like or Chicago thing. I think it's like a website just across the Bike United index. States. Bikeindex.com. Bikeindex.org. .org. Okay. Yeah, um, but Amer- or Chicago has its own little thing, the Chicago Bike Registry um, or Stolen Bike Registry, and you can you can look up serial numbers that way, um, and shops can make sure that the bike isn't stolen or something like that. So if you do have a stolen bike and you do have the serial number, that's exactly how you would try to where try to where it. would a thief typically take it though? Because I, I keep hearing swap meets. Yeah, flea market flea swap. Markets. So the swap is the flea market um is there any repercussion for those fl- flea markets or swap markets for reselling stolen bikes i don't because i feel like i mean there's just an incentive to resell it then yeah so so definitely it's just like selling it as quick as you can but like how how can you crack down on that right like know. how much can you dedicate how much of the city can can dedicate like police force to 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 i know you know yeah um to be doing like whatever they have to do, do to make sure. Do you sure know that anyone that have successfully recovered a bike? 
Um, yeah, I think I've seen a couple of friends who have like have have seen their bikes being resold on Craigslist, oh. and then um, contacting the person and then being like, "Hey, look, I'll just pay for whatever you paid for," or like, oh. depend you know, depending on 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 who they are and stuff like that. Um, there have definitely been people that have been like, "No," you know. They've like found something like they they found the third seller or the the third the you know the buyer right and they refuse to sell it back to the original owner. That's so fucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 wild, you know. Um, but I, I guess material possessions, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when someone is shopping for their first bike, and I mean the bike that I got from you <laughs> was the result of my last bike being stolen. <laughs> right so yeah yeah that's right so that's right. you and you put wheel locks on mine as well and uh, and outfitted it you know to to the budget and stuff so what 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 should someone what kind of questions should someone be asking for cuz there there are a lot of great bike shops in the city yeah so where does you know what kind of questions should one ask or what kind of shop should one look for um when they're looking for their first bike so I think the first thing that you should be doing when you are looking for your first bike is asking yourself what kind of, uh, what is the purpose of the bike, um, right? Like we were talking about, there's so many different kind of bikes out there and so many different options to choose from. Um, if you are commuting, you know, like what kind of seating position do you like? How long is your commute? These are things to take into account. Um, you know, is your commute like a two mile bike ride or is it a seven mile bike mm. ride? Could it even be like a 15 mile bike ride? And like, what is the, um, how far is it? And, and how, um, long are you willing to sit in like a more aggressive position or mm. a more relaxed position? Mm. You know, these are things that will affect, um, how long it takes you to get there. Um, and then also how comfortable you are on the bike. Um, the depend the the difference between like a flat bar bike and you know a drop bar bike and how comfortable you are on those um once you sort of have a, a an idea of what you want to use the bike for you can always go um to the bike shop then and then let the the salesperson know and they should be um equipped to to help answer the question or guide you in the right direction of like what kind of bike you want mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um the best shops will always let you test ride their bikes mm. um should be a free test ride or something like that um take it around the block see how it feels that's always going to be how you will know you know if the bike is for you if the bike feels right and that sort of thing you can never really just look at the bike and be like this is it like this is going to feel comfortable you know everybody's body is shaped differently like even if you you go through the guides and they're like telling you you're a certain size because you're a certain height you know you might have longer legs than the next person or a shorter torso or vice versa and the bike that they suggest for you ends up being a bike that is too big or too long that sort of thing Mm. um so have an idea of like what kind of uh riding you're planning on doing with the bike um taking the bike out for a test ride, you know, trying and comparing it to a couple of different other brands. Um, when you are trying to shop like a little bit more competitively in terms of pricing, you know, you can always look at the components that the mm. bikes are equipped with, especially if they're equipped with the same components and one brand seems to be more expensive than the other. Um, if you like the ride of the, uh, you know, more expensive brand, like you can definitely weigh those options out, you know, like, is it worth it to spend the extra money because mm. I like the way that it feels more? Um, that mm. sort of thing. Uh, those are those are some things that I would say would be yeah, that's a good start. Would be beneficial to or would get you started on for on. for the casual rider. Like, what do you think they should be expecting to spend for, like, say, like a few miles commute? 
Yeah, so like um, a lot of people like hybrids, right? A lot of people okay. like hybrids to commute on, especially if the commute's not too long. Um, something like that, I think, a base model you're looking... When you, when you say hybrid, mm -hmm. um, like the wheels are a little thicker, the seat's more comfortable. What would you mean? So uh, a hybrid bicycle is going to be somewhere in between like a mountain bike and a road bike. Mm. Um, so you're looking at a more upright seating position than, you know, the bikes with drop bar handlebars. Okay. Um, you're looking at uh, flat bars, right? And you won't be in a very upright seating position, but you won't be like very um, low either. Okay. Um, the wheels, uh, the frame is able to accommodate slightly wider tires as well. So it does have the ability to go on like mixed gravel paths or like mm. limestone, that sort of thing. Uh, hybrid bikes are, are generally um, built up so that they can sort of cover the most ground. Um, you know, mm. like if you're also a parent and you want to put a trailer on there, they're generally equipped with enough oh. gears right from the get-go to, to give you that, that hauling power, that like low torque. Um, so... Uh, hybrid bikes definitely they start right now I would say around like 650 or sorry 750 or so for like a decent one yeah. um, the prices are since I, I've worked uh, since I've been employed essentially at a bike shop and, and doing the thing like they definitely have gone up you okay. know and it it, it, it uh, is a little bit more expensive but um, that's why I think the you know used market is always really really great mm. um, especially if you're looking for something you know if like that is up out of your price range going to places like working bikes or West Town bikes here in here in Chicago is working know. bikes a physical location physical location oh. yeah they do have an online store um, and you can definitely check out their, their inventory yeah um, what is it? Working bikes is on Western. They're a little bit south. I can't remember the cross streets. Okay. Um, but then West Town is on Division and Campbell. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, which I I keep thinking of like safety again. So like yeah. Do you know anyone like a victim? Bit like are victims of like potholes? Yeah, we um we are. <laughs> <laughs> The city's notorious for potholes. Yeah, I mean, like um, most of the flats, right? They they happen because you like your your tire was underinflated and you hit a pothole, or you just hit like a really serious pothole. Um, in terms of people that have like fell victim in in terms of breaking something due to a pothole, uh, I don't think so. We recently did have a customer though that did hit a pothole pretty hard and like flip over their bars and everything. Sure. So I, I I think if you're an attentive <laughs> cyclist, like definitely you know, but we can't can't always foresee every single thing like yeah you know even as attentive as you are they can get pretty bad what are your thoughts on uh on the divvy bikes and those scooters are back too yeah um it's more means of alternative transportation and and um you know it's it's great to discourage um driving in vehicles if you have the accessibility to a bike uh, and like we were saying earlier, right, about mountain biking um, and, and having all of that available so that, you know, you can um, lower that, that barrier of entry. Like for most people, if, if um, they have like access to a Divi station close to them, by all means, use it. Like that is one of the best ways to get like used to riding in the city and riding on the street and that sort of thing. Um, frankly, the more people that use them, you know, the better because then like just more people are aware of them, yeah. you know, um, more people then become aware of cyclists, that sort of thing. Those scooters go fast, too. Those scooters do go fast, yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine... The e-bikes go fast. The, are those the black divvies? The the black and, and the, like, now the, like, gray divvies, they have, like, two versions of e-bikes. They go pretty fast. What are the, what's the difference between I, the gray and the black one? I think, like, the gray ones have, like, a little bit more, like, light features and stuff like that. 
I do notice them going. They're zipping. They're yeah. zipping around. Oh, they're fast. So what? They're more prone. So what does that mean? They are they going to take up the actual lane, or they're going to stay in the bike lane? Because I feel like if you the faster you go, you're oh, more, they stay in the bike lane. They stay in the bike lane. You're, oh, you're yeah. more prone to accidents. Then. I think like a lot of a lot of people, um, you know, they drive, they ride them to their their best ability, right? Like mm. the people that are speeding down the highway, right, like like ninety miles an hour, right? Like they're the, those are not that many when we really think about it, and those are only people that are really really comfortable with doing something like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think people, even though they have the ability to go as fast as they want, you know, they don't always take it all the way up to that speed. Right, right, right. Yeah, but as far as e-bikes, I noticed those purple, like, Gatier bikes, like, are zipping oh, around, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, like, I think, like, right, um, uh, I, I, having been, like, um, overseas uh, in China when I was um, visiting my uncle, like, seeing seeing that, like, finally make its way to america um that was there that was their first uh, well not like or that sco- you mean like just like scooter scooters. delivery yeah, yeah scooter yeah. delivery was is, is so like scooters in general right like scooter like scooters motorcycles are, are significantly more popular i in, noticed in, it in, in taiwan Asia. yeah yeah a lot um they, they take up less space they cost mileage less, yeah right like miles um, per gallon yeah. that's a that's a big big thing right like right. not everyone can afford a car right. overseas um I think that's something that we as Americans take for granted, right? Is that like everyone has to own a car. Mm. Um, whereas like, or you could just buy a scooter. Um, but so, so like um, you would see like a lot of like scooter delivery or like bicycle delivery of like meals and stuff like that. Like KFCs yeah. would have like their own branded like scooters. Over there. Yeah. Oh. Um, KFCs and like McDonald's and that sort of thing. Like the, the fast food chains, like they would all have their own branded scooters. Like, come on, dude. Um, <laughs> but like that, that's, that's become like really popular in America now. Right. Like because of the pandemic, we had all the like deliveries for, for um, groceries. Like uh, what is it like uh, that uh, go kart or something like that or um, you can get like Postmates to do stuff like that. Sure, like, sure, or, sure. Or like stores now, right? Are even offering to like get your your groceries yeah, it's delivered usually with to the messenger. you. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I think that um, there's still e-bikes at the end of the day, and as long as the, the the city continues to build up its infrastructure for them, I think that you know we will experience you know accidents but that is the learning curve or that is the growing pains that we will have to go through but eventually you know it, it will be good and and people will you know have different ways of traveling and, and i think like the the scooters and in, in the the bike lanes are totally fine it's, uh they're not going that much faster anyway no 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 yeah um yeah i mean at some some intersections uh they the bike lanes even have their own traffic light mm-hmm <laughs> You think that's gonna that's the way of the future? I mean, I, it's like why why isn't that happening more often everywhere? I I, I couldn't tell you. I, I really maybe yeah. like there is just isn't enough push in certain sure. certain neighborhoods, right? Um, definitely, that is like always a a, a like local council meeting sort mm. of thing. Like you have to talk to your alderman about it. Sure. Um, uh, at, at at my shop that we work at, or that I work at, um, the uh, we already have like uh, some contention about the the bike lanes that were recently installed on Milwaukee Avenue. What's wrong with them? Um, so we have a lot of businesses that are complaining, like um, there's no more parking for customers, mm. um, that sort of thing. Like oh, all these bike lanes have taken up the the space for parking. That is right on, yeah, right on, right by your area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, those new, yeah, okay, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It does, it does take away from parking. So, so what is the discussion at the shop? Like, what, what's, is there a solution to that? Yeah, I think, um, 
what do they do? Um, I think if you're 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 a patron of some of those those locations, um, parking is like yes, that is a little bit more difficult to find. Street parking, I. I I don't think it's quite that hard. Mm. Um, if you want to find free parking, like, yeah, it's a little bit harder. But even then, like, it is just a small little bit extra walk. There are so many side streets along Milwaukee that you can still park on. Like, um, along our stretch, right, um, there is Francis and Milwa- or, and uh, Rockwell that intersect, um, or the, 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 the like, uh, cross streets north of us. And we see spots, you know, they're open all day long mm. um, that, cut, or that people just aren't using. You know, everyone just wants to park on the main street. And I think that that's just gotcha. not, um, that's just short-sighted. Mm. Or, you know, like, it's, it's, it's um, you're just unwilling to, to even try to, like, find other park, other means of parking, like, other streets. Um, whereas, like, in Lincoln, or in Wicker Park, like, you're kind of, you already know that you have to do that. You already know that you have to go on side streets. I don't know. So, it's, it's, it's like, uh, people are, people are so... Um, set up in their their older ways of like knowing like oh there is going to always be parking here but they just don't want to live with the, the growing pains of like having less and less opportunities to park their car yeah um but those like businesses right like they don't i i don't think that they necessarily need to to be car accessible businesses it's like a lot of like um a lot of the shops that are there are like um hairdressers um there's like a hardware shop there is a, a jeweler uh, shoe store. Um, there is a, uh, several restaurants along the same strip. Meaning, like Locksmith. the car doesn't have to be right there. Yeah, like I, I just don't really think that that is what is like. Oh, maybe the cultural shift eventually. Yeah, stopping like, but um, ultimately, right? Like, I think a lot of people are just like really getting really, really upset, and I, I think like the onus isn't on like the the bike lane or anything like that. It's just on the 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 person itself, the individual, the 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 customer. It's like the customer has to kind of learn to, to adapt to that because like eventually it's just going to continue to happen. And if you, you as the customer don't want to do that, like I, I think it's, it <clears throat> like, it's just, it, it's kind of like on you, like as, mm. as the driver, like, like you, you could be going to this place, but because you think that there is no parking, right? Like, yeah, you choose not to. I think that for for business owners to blame that is is not blaming the customer correctly. It's it's increasing the barrier to entry just by a little bit. They have to park a little further, yeah, right, or 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 walk or whatever it is, right? But like, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, the coffee shop I used to I used to go to is like all the way up on the north side and they do have free like street parking right next to it. And if it wasn't there, I mean, it it'd be another barrier. It'd be a, I so I, I I understand both sides, I guess. Yeah. And um but like you said, it is up to the driver and if the driver wants to continue supporting that business, they'll do what it takes to to keep supporting them. Yeah. And and I think like I, I feel like the, the uh, I, I have to park somewhere else is such a lame excuse. Like <laughs> it's such a, it's such a tired excuse, right? Like it's like, homie, like, I'm sorry, your customers just are, are like either just not that smart, not that motivated. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like that's such a, such a bad, bad excuse. It's a lazy answer. So lazy. Yeah. So, so very lazy. Okay. Like okay. there, there are, are significantly better ways to, to go about that one. So what's the uh, what's the discussion in the shop then? Like, are they are there 
are there neighborhood meetings for this or yeah. like there your, are? your okay. local like your local like um what is it neighborhood meetings with your aldermen and stuff like that yeah. i believe like people do talk about it you oh. know you you like i think um um we we have more power in 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 like voicing about like bike lanes than we think oh. right and, and and it's like just showing up at, at these like neighborhood meetings and, and making sure like you're, you're making your voice heard about you know how you want um the city to treat the the roads around you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and if you find that bike lanes are important then you know speak out about it let let your alderman know let let your your local community know um because it just it just helps right like encourages more people to be active like and then if more people are on riding bikes, you know, then there are less people, you know, driving around. And that means less of a reason for the, you to have to, like, park at that, that coffee shop, right? Like, or less people parking at that coffee shop. Because who knows? Like, what if, like, every two out of three people that were parking at that coffee shop, you know, were just frivolously driving their car when, they, when it was actually on the way on a bike? And then, like, also work is on the, very close and on the way. Mm. You know, I, I I just think that if we if more of us choose like a different method of transportation, then it then it ultimately makes like the times that we are ch- finally driving like much more fun, like m- much easier on all of us. Okay. You know. Okay. Um, another another way to create kind of a career out of out of someone's love for biking, I think I feel like when I first explored this kind of topic i asked you if you if you yourself or knew anyone uh was a messenger how's that life like how how is being a bike messenger i feel like people can make a career out of it um is that a thing i think so i i think like there there are definitely um messengers that have turned their careers into um like working into the bicycle industry like have have like yeah. made their way into the bicycling industry themselves um i don't know i don't i i uh i think you can definitely um you know work as a bike messenger for a very very long time and 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 you know have a comfortable uh living situation but it is it is a hard life to live you know um it i i don't know like in terms of like how, how does one get started i guess like other there's companies out there that yeah. that hire messengers still still companies what do you t- are, what are they typically transporting um you could be a courier company transporting just documents mm. uh, paper or you could be a courier company that does food like so mm. strictly food um so some companies like uh cut cats they are a strict cut cats yeah cut oh. cats courier company oh. they're in chicago they're i believe they're strictly food um they are a collective so it's like a worker-owned company oh so you could work for something like that um or you could work for something like i believe u.s messenger is a documents company so that's they, on the south side right here uh, yeah, yeah, fifteenth yeah. and national. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. U.S. Mess is like their 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 office is right over there, gotcha. um, and you can you know deliver like just strictly documents, and, okay, and like your your paper essentially. That's all you really do. Um, so there there are definitely different companies that you can work for, and and um, you can expect different kinds of work out of those two different types of jobs. Yeah, um, you know, is it is it like the best thing to, I mean that's that's up to you right that's up to the individual person like some people like that lifestyle of like not not having you know very very strict deadlines or or like um having their office be outside all day mm. like that's that's like a very big appeal we're to. we're lucky I mean some some might say they they hate the snow in Chicago but I I, I think a lot of us kind of like the variety 
Um, what out of all seasons, like even during snow, like is it the wind that's the worst, or is it the rain? Is it snow? Is it what? What's what's the most difficult to ride through? Personally, for me, I find like what is it slush to be the worst Ooh. like just when the streets aren't plowed and like to go back to like right like bike lanes and that sort of thing like oh, yeah. it, it really sucks like to go on side streets that like aren't just aren't plowed and like so you go on one regular lane like one one car lane um and it's like very very beautiful but like there are it's also kind of dangerous because like there, there are cars like coming by you and the, the 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 bike lane's not plowed so you have to like get in the way even more um, so that's probably like winter probably can, can probably be one of the worst ones, I would say, especially just because of like accessibility to like clean roads. Um, I feel like there's nothing we can do about it. Um, yeah, I mean, just uh, plow more, <laughs> just be better at plowing. Like, that's just it. Right. Like, um, it's like, where does the snow go? And then you got the, the cars that are parked on the streets and it's like, it's yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think like, yeah, just the city has to be better at, I, I mean, the city definitely prioritizes certain neighborhoods over others, which is always, um, you know, not the best. Um, so of course, um, all we can do is hope and, and, you know, continue to, to do the, the thing, uh, to make sure that our communities are taken care of. Um, so yeah, uh, winter definitely by far probably the worst, but spring can be pretty shitty too. Oh. Spring can 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 kind of suck with what the rain or what? Oh, the rain, yeah, the definitely rain. the rain and like the the cold, like especially this spring. The spring was really bad. I really did not have a good time. Um, but I noticed you didn't have fenders. Oh, on my bike, right? Yeah. So the bike that I rode today, I mean, I didn't have any fenders, but oh. I do have a oh. bike with fenders. Oh, okay, okay. I do have gotcha. a fender bike. Kind of transitioning to more more of your like upbringing and like you know asian american experience do you you know growing up in high school and in college you went to isu yeah um did you think that you'd be working at a bike shop um not really for this long at least yeah i definitely um definitely didn't think that i I would be working at a bike lane for as long as I have, but definitely really have enjoyed my time. That's what I, so that the follow up question was like, are you feeling, are you fulfilled? Are you happy? Are you content? Yeah. Um, I definitely enjoy my job, you know, is it um, challenging? Yeah. In, in the, the ways that, uh, in terms of like trying to like figure out like what, what are better ways to, what are better products that I can introduce to, to, to customers to help make their, their, their riding experience better. Um, you know, what, what are, just like easy ways that I can get better ways that I can get uh, customers like used to riding or new riders to get to, to riding in, in the city, like how to break down the barrier of just like getting into bike riding. Like mm. that, that is definitely a, a, a fun challenge or, or something to, to, to try to get over. Yeah. While, <clears throat> while you were in college, what did you think you'd be doing? Um, if you thought about it, honestly, I, I kind of had no idea. Mm-hmm. I like I I was doing um, what is it? Um, educate. I was pursuing becoming a teacher, mm. um, and then I realized it wasn't for me. And then I sort of like just faffed about until I I, I just got a degree, and then that was it. And then I like came Floated out. Floated through. Yeah. Did, wait, so, but you got your degree in teaching? I got my degree in uh, scenic design. Um, what is that? That is like um, in theater. Oh. Uh, so like set building and that sort of thing. That's what a tangent. Are, are you is there any part of that right now um no i mean i used to i just used to to um 
but you, you probably have an eye for design, an eye for aesthetics. I guess don't, you take don't you we take all. you take crispy photos. <laughs> I try, I try. Um, I just like triangles, you know. Triangles are yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, definitely, I've always like really liked art and that sort of thing, and 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 design. Um, so uh, it was definitely more natural that once I didn't do theater education, so that was what I was uh, doing um, initially was pursuing se- uh, what is it, being a teacher um, for theater. Um, I then just transitioned to do just doing scenic design, and then just graduated with something like that. Um, so even in in college or. You know, prior to college, did your parents place heavy expectations on you, like pretty strict expectations on you? Yeah, it's sort of like an unspoken sort of thing. Um, so my parents own restaurants uh, uh, in Chicago, and so um, it was almost kind of like n- not spoken of, but kind of joked about that I would eventually take them over. Oh. Um, but there was no real like uh, introduction to that. There was no real like, oh, like you would just help out here and there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what's the current consensus? Are you still in line? No, um, I, I don't think so anymore. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have one. I have a sister. Older or younger? Older. Older. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so currently not anymore. Definitely have voiced them and let them know like this. I'm just not interested in this. I can't do this. How'd they take it? Um, I don't think that they're particularly happy with it, but they are at least respecting my wishes and not like bringing it up anymore. That's that's nice. Yeah. Are they doing okay though? Like, are they like as you're growing up and the, and they're seeing that you're doing okay for yourself, you're doing good, and they, they have they come to terms with that? Um, I think so. I think that you know your parents always want you want to you to be at your absolute best, right? And so they want to be want me to be even more well taken care of. But um, they are they are they are like you know okay with at least like knowing that that I'm still alive, right? <laughs> Also, I mean, Asian parents are, like, hard to read. You never know. And that's what's frustrating is, like, um, there's a show on Netflix by David Letterman called uh, My Next Guest Is, Mm. or Needs No Introduction or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he just interviews celebrities, kind of like his old show on Late Night. And in the new season, he had Ryan Reynolds come on. And uh, after Ryan Reynolds' father passed away, it's a little frustrating because he really never discovered, like, his father never shared how he felt at certain point in any parts of his life. Right. Yeah. And I feel like my parents, I, I resonated with that. And my parents do a good job of telling you what to do at certain points in your life, but they don't tell you how to feel or like they don't share how they felt in certain points of their life. So, you know, let's say like, you know, over the weekend I, I got engaged and it's like, Oh guys, I'm going to propose. And, and they're like, congrats. Or like, that's great. And whereas everyone else is like, how you feeling? How you going to do it? And it's just like, I feel like the conversation just like stops. And I think there could be so much more. Yeah. Um, and, uh, as, as the child of that, it's just, you, you, you're left wanting more. Oh, all the time, <laughs> all the time. No, I, I know this one really well. Like um, you, you want to be a friend with your parents, right? Yeah. And like, they just don't give it to you. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really, um, one of the things that I've been at, at my dinner table, right, that we've been talking about is just like, oh, your hair, right? Okay. So, so, same, same. They're so, begging me to cut it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, 
I'll, I'll tell them like I like I, I swear to God like we can't talk about this anymore like I I really like this length can you like enjoy it for what it is and it's just like what like, do they say they say what, what do they say about it that makes them w- want you to cut it um, I think that like my mom tells me that like it looks like. Um, really messy or it makes you look sloppy they would say the same thing thing. if you put it up though um so that's the thing like my mom like really likes what i put it up but i i I also like i feel like my parents would still hate me yeah (laughs) either way i think like regardless it's just like an easier way for them to like just not have to deal with you having long hair they just want you to cut it and and um because is it a reflection on them i don't know i have no clue I, I, I honestly have no idea. Like what, what part of your success do they want for you? Not for the sake of yourself, but for the sake of them telling their friends and family, like, oh, my kids are successful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's the, the what's, thing. What's my friend, as a parent, like, what are my friends and family going to think of my kid if he has long hair? Yeah. Does that make you a bad person? No, it doesn't. But why is it so hard for them to understand that? <laughs> I don't know. And and like that that goes back to like what what you were saying earlier about like just like expecting more and like wanting more. It's just like can't you just like see this from my side for like a minute? Just like, how about two seconds? Just two seconds. Just sit um, with it, right? Yeah, but um, no, that's always like the, the hard part, right? Like is like you you um, when you talk to your parents and like they are they just don't don't really have that interest and like then you like you sort of like lose faith like confidence in yourself like that's something that like i think um you know maybe we we've never talked about um but definitely i've been i've been thinking about it mulling it over and realizing it um more and more uh is that like because like you know i know it's possible we look to our parents as like reflections of our of our of our productivity or of our growth and that sort Mm. of thing sometimes like we when we're brought up at a young age like that's just kind of what you do right you do you do things because you want to make your parents happy and um as you grow older when you do more things like where you don't get any sort of response or even if like it is what they like and you still don't get any response you feel like none of the actions less than yeah like none of the actions that you're doing just have any real like meaning or 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 you're you're like sort of like cut off from that emotional connection and you feel less safe to like connect with them or bond with them and like that just like stretches that like that distance even further and so like sometimes like it could just be like they're tired and we didn't even realize it, but mm. because we've already had this experience of like, they're just so far removed. We're like unwilling to, to take a step back a bit and we're just stuck. Like thinking like, I just told you about like, you know, I want to get married, you know, I'm going to engage and like, you don't even have the, ass- like the, the, yeah. the attention span to give it to me. Like, yeah. like it just, is just compounding of like years and years of just like, you know they could just be tired and we're not realizing it and, and they don't also don't realize like because they're tired like we're upset you know and just like i feel like my parents their main purpose in life was to give everything and sacrifice everything for their kids mm-hmm. and so when all your eggs are in that basket of your kids you you're hurt if you if your kids aren't meeting your expectations yeah yeah um and and i agree with you it's just like even as that kid i mean i wonder like did you have someone maybe friends in your life or other family members that helped you navigate doing stuff for your own happiness rather than you know appeasing anyone else i think i had to 
figure that out on my own. Mm. Um, so, um, growing up, I was the youngest of the, in the, in the entire family and, um, like out of the cousins too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying, so I, I definitely like had a lot of free time to myself. Um, after my parents had like moved to our separate house and everything like that. Um, so we used to live in the same building as my cousin nice. and then we moved away. Um, yeah, I definitely had the most amount of time to like just be with myself because mm-hmm. my parents weren't home and I would just come home after school and, mm-hmm. and that would be it. My, my grandparents lived with us, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I don't, I didn't really develop a very, very deep relationship with them or I didn't really spend a lot of time after school with them. Um, so I got to, uh, really learn how to, um, be someone who p- fond for people's attention and then learning to not be that person anymore, essentially. What was the feedback when, when you were doing that? Like, I think like, um, like you're trying too hard or. Yeah. I think even now, like there is still like glimpses and segments of that. Um, but I think it's a lot more, uh, genuine now yeah. than anything. Like I do mean like what I, what I say, but, um, I don't know. I think like, um, it's like a being a pushover, right? Essentially mm. like doing things for people or like, yeah. like just, you know, wanting to, to just have no expectations when you do it. Yeah. Do it for the sake of doing it. Right. You're yeah, not, so you're not doing it because you're going to be left hang- out to dry. If you don't, if you have a certain expectation and they're not returning any, they're not reciprocating. Yeah. Um, so I think like a lot of that, like I, I, I like wanted to like give people things like a lot and I, I, I really wanted to like, give give like everything to them because i would expect them to like give something back in return like that was i think like what i used to grow up like thinking and and that sort of thing and then i like had to grow out of that and learn how to like no like that's just not how that works homie um yeah it was it was a lot of like um i yeah i was able to just like grow and, and and figure out like like at the end of the day like the 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 you can do things for other people and, and, and hope to God that they're going to love you for it. Or you could just be yourself and then let people like you for that. And uh, when you, when you discover that, did new people come out of the woodwork and, and find you and appreciate you for who you are? Um, I think so. Yeah. Hmm. I think there are definitely people that have like, let me know that, that they are, they, um, have gravitated towards like the kind of confidence that I have in mm. myself. Like I've, mm. I, th- I think that people have told me that before. Like I, I really find that, that you believe in yourself and that that's really cool. Um, but I, I, I don't personally <laughs> really say it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I see it. I see it. I think it comes with time and experience though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just like, cause I'm, it's, it's, it's not something you talk about. It's something you, you embody. Right. Otherwise you'd be just a dick if you're just talking about how confident you are, you know, and it's just something you just in your actions. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So, so (laughs) as you can see, I'm still on that journey trying to figure it out and trying to, to trying to like put the words to the, the experiences that I have. But overall, like I I think like through, you know, having all of that alone time and and not being able to, to receive that kind of connection with someone and um, figuring out how to connect with myself instead, that's definitely like given me the time to, uh, figure out a lot more of my emotions and, and, you know, maybe at least like do things a little bit more mindfully of like mm. 
myself and and like what it means to me even if you know it doesn't please anybody else that's hard because um, there's always a small part of you that's like i especially your parents like you know, i want to yeah. please my parents yeah. yeah yeah and like you know as artists right like like that's one of the barriers that we always have to get over is that like we always want the art to look good to 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 someone or something. Yeah, I mean, you I know, mean, at, at the end of the day, if you're trying to, if this is your livelihood and this is how you make money, I mean, other people do have to kind of like it, you know. Um, something that I've been struggling with, like as as like uh, a sports photographer, like budding sports photographer, right? Like, you say like my photos are very crisp, they're really sharp, and like. You know, I'll be calling photos and, and like I'll be looking at them and it's like it if it's not tack sharp, I'm like, Oh god, I gotta sacrifice this photo. But like this this past year I've been more like embracing the, the, the blur the blur. Yeah, so like Or the happy accidents. Photos that are just like not quite there in terms of like sharpness or anything, but like it really like in in compasses or the, the, the emotion feeling, the feeling right Same, of, yeah. of the the motion and everything that was there the the intensity and that sort of thing i think a lot of the the photographers that i've been that i've been following um have also you know encouraged a lot of that um so like seeing like work that looks like that are you is it are when, are, when you're doing that are you sh- doing a shutter drag or what are you doing yeah just doing a pan just a the, pan i've never tried that no, it looks good. It's really cool. Is oh. it like one over thirty or one over fifty or? I shoot pretty fast still, um, but depends on like oh. the race, right? Like, because um, they're going fast. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Sometimes I'll go down. Like, some people are crazy and they go down to like one fifty, one over fifty, and I don't know. I think that's crazy. I mean, fast. that's what it's we do for stuff. weddings, for like receptions and yeah. stuff. So you get like the the lights like dragging, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but you capture their motion. Yeah. Right. Um, to get it that crisp and that sharp going that be a little slow okay. is really can oh. be can be challenging. Sure, sure, sure. Because um, you have to be tracking them pretty spot on for all that. Because a portrait should pr- at least probably be one over one twenty five or one over two fifty. Mm-hmm. What do you? What do you? What's your shutter speed at then? When I'm shooting races and I'm and I'm trying to do the 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 pan like that, I usually shoot at one one sixtieth of a second. Um, that's where I feel most comfortable. Okay. That's where I usually get most of my shots, but definitely I do even do one, one two hundredth of a second. Okay. Um, so slow though, I, I have gotten like stopped down to like one sixtieth of a second. Mm. Um, and that's pretty fun, um, to get those shots cause it's really, really like, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. The blur is so good. Like the, the motion blur is so good. And like, depending on like, like what kind of angle it is if it's like a dynamic are you doing one? manual focus because you got to like focus nope. you're doing automatic mm-hmm. focus because it's you you're pan, you got to focus pan and i can't imagine how like so, how so to the, get it so crispy. the aperture is a little bit wider oh uh, uh so i shoot like at like um what is it depending on how much sun there is you know my iso will be set wherever it's set at but um, I like to set my aperture uh, as high as it can go. Oh. Right? Like eight is always a very, very comfortable one. Um, but yeah. ultimately, like once it gets down to like stadium lights and like it's kind of dark, I have no choice but to shoot like, you know, lower or wider, like wider. Four, yeah. yeah, four. That's still not that yeah. bad. That's still yeah. really good. Um, okay. Autofocus is crazy. Like, yeah. It, it'll, it'll what, track what, Are you doing Sony or what are you shooting at? I shoot a Nikon D610. Nice. Is, right. it, is that still the big boys, like big, big bodies? It is a mm-hmm, um, entry level full frame. Nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah, these are my fir- first like full frames, but they're mirrorless. No, those um, are so such a good good um, choice. I think mirrorless is. 
<laughs> so much so much more 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 nice for the the like um travel photographer and lighter yeah i think it's just easier i mean so i like the easier. feel of i mean i put a i put a second bat like a double battery grip like on mm-hmm. that one i, I like the, that feel yeah. of it too so I, I do like the feel of the big big bodies mm-hmm. um to bring it full circle how are there because I, I know someone that started their own cycling group because they maybe weren't feeling as inclusive in mm-hmm. the brown and black community. Yeah. Um, do you feel that? Is it is it pretty kind of segregated or separated or is it pretty inclusive? Um, and, you know, everyone has their own experience, right? Yeah. Uh, it depends. Like, were they, if they were already a part of, like, a, a BIPOC, like, mm. cycling group and then they didn't feel, like, mm. included in that group, I... I don't see that that is an issue. Like, I mean, it couldn't, it doesn't always have to be like, I think it depends on how we're viewing why they felt. That's true. Like why they, how, how they felt left out or, you know, it could be like a, the team is still fine, but we just wanted our own thing. You know, some people want a smaller group or something like that. But uh, in terms of inclusivity, I think that everybody tries their best at the end of the day. Because everybody just wants more, more cycling friends, just to ride, or, yeah, yeah, just to ride with, and and nobody really wants to be mean to one another. Yeah, I think might just be like communication, like uh, miscommunication. Like it's all. I feel like it's always like a one person didn't say what they wanted to say or something like that. Mm. It can always be really, really hard with these sorts of things. Uh, yeah, are there are there certain groups, not necessarily racially, but. Um, that might have not as much access to to biking? Yeah, I definitely think, like, <clears throat> you know, um, to be a black and brown rider in the city of Chicago, or in, in general, it's it's hard because, like, you don't see many people that look like you in the, mm. in the pro races and that sort of thing. Um, and, like, especially for, you know, for black men that are trying to ride bikes, you know, like the... the or, or sorry, even just black and brown men in general who who bring nice bikes into a bike store and getting those looks of like, is that even your bike? Oh. That sort of thing. Like oh, wow. that can always be really, really tough. Like that, that's a that's a shitty one. Sure. You know, um, and like going to that like when we were talking about like stolen bikes, right? In a, in a store, like you can't always assume that like a, a brown boy with a black or brown boy with a nice bike is gonna is stolen. Like that's wow, right? So like these these are these are things that I think like are are, are definitely things that the cycling industry in general, um, uh, like across like every shop, small shops, big shops, that sort of thing, can always get better on. Um, yeah, small like microaggressions like that. You just you never mm. you don't always like think about or you don't always take into account. Um, but yeah, I think being a, a a a black and brown cyclist can be very very hard because it's already like you already feel like the the um the animosity towards you as like a as a person but then like you mm. compound that with being a cyclist on the road like then you feel like kind of sometimes even less than so it, it it's nice to see like um people that look like you riding in the same group um and if you want to develop like a a smaller group that you know of just black and brown riders you know that's totally fine i think that's totally great gives you like your own little corner your own little does space. that not feed into what is the problem or um i'm just playing devil's advocate no that's totally okay i think that that's totally fine like i i think like yeah you know um if 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 i were someone that just didn't understand like it's hard because like i'm i'm also a minority right like so i i I've, i'm like oh i don't want to be excluded but there are you know um groups that are like 
uh, black and brown only and there are like no Asians in there and you know would I feel upset like no because I, I understand that there are nuances that like I don't understand as a specifically East Asian who is like semi like white passing right like that sort of thing like there are hardships that I'll never have experienced so like to under to like to feel left out of that like it, it's kind of like unwarranted um, mm, okay. uh, so don't take I, it personally it, yeah so like as the as the person that, that like you know the outsider looking in you know like oh that's just you know segregation like that that sort of thing like i mean it's not it's not really against you like just don't try not to take it personally you know it's not not like they they don't like you that's not at all at all you know it's like they probably are you know just one i mean and devil's advocate one can say that about the the group that made it right the person that made that group don't take it personally (laughs) i don't know it's just it's it's a it's an interesting cycle yeah um and like um, it, it, it's it's hard, right? To to like clicks that sort of thing. Yeah. Like it can always a drama can always happen. Um, but I think like as we long, as long as we're just putting our our best foot forward with the the best intentions, you know, um, it can it can really just be just everyone just wants to ride bikes. Everyone yeah. just wants to ride bikes. <laughs> uh, what what's next? If you know, if you're thinking about it, what what do you think you want to do in the next couple of years? Um, definitely just keep moving along in the cycling industry, introducing more and more people to bikes. Like I think, um, uh, with, so crit racing is, is becoming more and more popular in America. And so it'd be nice to take more photos of that. But ultimately I just, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm excited to see like where the, the industry goes. Um, this is, it's, it's, uh, the technology is always really cool to watch grow. Um, in what sense? What do you mean? just like um different applications of uh what is it technology from from mountain bikes have now like bled into road bikes um and then now like seeing like different things like uh over the years like i've seen stuff like like um like gear shifters or what do you mean mm-hmm. oh. um so or um hydraulic brakes like disc brakes used to be like a mountain bike only thing and they, now they've transferred into road bikes oh yeah but like yeah just uh seeing like all these like new components coming out um seeing like what new creative ways that people are are repurposing old bikes like um older mountain bikes now are getting repurposed into all of these like crazy fun commuters and like you know alt bikes um alt racing like racing that's not about going the fastest um you know uh like ultra endurance stuff like the 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 world of 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 biking is so massive in like terms of like what kind of biking you want to do or what kind of cyclist you want to be and like that sort of thing i don't know where where do you feel the most high or where do you find yourself in a state of flow where time disappears um is it anytime you're on a bike probably at the uh, as of lately probably like at the bike park Mm. um uh, i've been definitely been working on trying to like get my jumps in um and and that's like it it's just like it's like uh working over a problem over Mm. and over again Mm -hmm. and like approaching it slightly differently every time until you get it perfect okay um i would say it's like there's more to it than just going fast more to it than just going fast significantly more to it than going fast (laughs) yeah um no, and that's the that's the best part, right? Is that like you you um, when you when you have been so used to tackling a problem in a certain way, then you have to when you're forced to approach it in a different way, you know, 
you learn so much more and like all of that always just translates to it does to later like um exploration on like different trails and different paths like bike handling that sort of thing i mean of course we can always relate that to like life but um yeah it's it's like different ways to to really challenge your your bike control um jumping like sort of like helps cover that ground for me as of late and mm-hmm. so something to focus on as a human like it's been it's been really good god yeah. i'm glad to hear it <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's also to look really cool so <laughs> um eric that's all i had for you buddy yeah this has been so much fun heart to hearts uh, if people, if you're open to it, where can people find you? Yeah. So like I said, um, I work at the bike lane up in Logan square. Um, you can follow my, my Instagram TMJ 96 dot photo. If you want to follow more of my, my photography, um, you'll find uh, a lot of like local racing. So I do a lot of tracks or velodrome, uh, photography, uh, up in Northbrook. Um, what is it? The Ed Rudolph velodrome, uh, super, super fun, uh, happens every third or every Thursday during the summer season. Mm. Um, so you'll find a lot of photos there. Otherwise you'll also see some more like road crit racing. You'll see some of my work, uh, over at uh, short track when that happens. Um, are these, are any of these printed in the shop? No, I don't have any of my photos printed in the Come shop. Come on. No, I really, I, I have a, I'm, I'm bad at choosing my best shots. Um, so, I don't know. I One of these days, I, I will definitely get something printed out. I think I want to, one of my series that, are the, the these like, like manga panel, like, um, col- co- collage thing sure. that I've been putting sure. together. I'm really into those. So maybe I'll put to like, uh, like, edit splice like up manga page and then and then use that and print that out but cool yeah yeah <laughs> well thank you buddy yeah, of uh all right guys well thanks for tuning in uh we'll see you in the next episode peace <laughs>